Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. Matt Harmon is here. Producer Brett is here. And we are moving onwards to week two, baby. But before we get into the meat of the matchups and talk to our special guest, we got to talk about some news. Matt. Were you and Sam Darnold, like, on a bender in New York that I didn't know about? Did you take the red eye out of L.A. after Sunday's games and hang out with Sammy D? I mean, I don't really like New York, so not definitely did not do that. I can't claim any responsibility. I mean, you— Oh, how about New Jersey? Uh, I mean, if you don't like New York and you like New Jersey, we got to talk about your priorities. No, definitely. I don't know that that would be— like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of New York, but I love spending times in the burbs down in New Jersey. No, I mean. Short Hills Mall, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I can't claim responsibility for uh, for this particular situation. So uh, Sam Darnold has mono. And if you listen to everybody's favorite disappointed dad, Adam Gase, at the press conference, <laughs> he had some real feels about it. Uh, but of course, what, what does this mean? I mean, the Jets just cannot catch a break. They can catch a cold. <laughs> that was from dad, dad refs all over the place. <laughs> dad jokes. Um, so Quincy Nunua, he is out for the remainder of the season with a neck injury. Now, if you remember, he sustained one in 2017 that also robbed him of that season. Why are you staring at me like <laughs> that? We're about to get to my favorite news item of the week. Uh, that Demary, all-world talent Demarius Thomas, comeback player of the year, was traded from your New England whoa, Patriots. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Traded from the New England Patriots to the New York Jets. And then upon being traded, as the ink was drying, oh, got a hammy. Well, I mean. It's almost like the Patriots knew something. Yeah, I did see one of the best, uh, one of the one of the tweets that are like, when you ever get see one, you're like, man, I wish I had thought of that. Yeah. Pat Thorman uh, sent one out. I think he's with Establish the Run now with Evan Silva and all those guys. It was a picture of Bill Belichick laughing. And it was just Demarius Thomas was carrying mono. Because oh. <laughs> obviously the story of Demarius Thomas traded and then Sam Darnold being out with mono follows, you know, I think it's just a day or two apart from each other. Mm. Very funny. I, I, I got a chuckle. So how do you, that. I mean, are you crestfallen? I mean, uh, the good I mean, news, it's not, like this, it's not, you know, it's just a hamstring injury. I mean, yeah, I mean you can really be beast on this uh, offense. Yeah, you could be back out there. Uh, this whole. We just off- on 11 personnel, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Only Let's out manage there our expectations Of course, bit. of course, of course. I mean, I don't like this offense at all. I didn't like it even just what? based on what I saw from week one what? was. 
not encouraging. What don't you like about Jamison Crowder eating 14 of 17 targets and that, putting up less, fewer than 100 yards, that, averaging like seven yards per reception? That's, that's your favorite kind of football, I find that it? I find that to be offensive. Uh, like... That's like PPR is ruining the sport type well, of get type of used stuff. To it because we're gonna see nothing with Trevor Simeon. We need to add is we'll be replacing Sam Darnold under center and the Wildcat. Sick out of Northwestern loves to check himself down. So. Uh, it's going to be double-digit targets for Jamison Crowder again. And because we do our standard as a half-point PPR, you are looking at Jamison Crowder as like a top 30 no, wide don't receiver. Do it to, don't do it to yourself. Don't do it to yourself because one of these days you're going to get four for 21 and you're just going to not like it. It's just I'm not don't. saying we have to rank him. Well, we, meaning I, have to rank him somewhere. He is my wide receiver 32 heading into the week. Wouldn't um, play him. We also have to mention that Le'Veon Bell has a sore shoulder and MRI MRI said that it's nothing serious, but that obviously affects his play or will affect his play. You have to manage it a little bit, making Crowder all the more interesting. Robbie Anderson has a horrible matchup. He was one of my slow starts for this week. He busted last week. He's going to match up against Denzel Ward. I also think, no, get ready. You're going to hate it. You're going to hate this more than Jameson Crowder. I think I might know where you're going. But Ryan Griffin. I knew you were going to say Ryan Griffin. Because this ends up back at your Chris Herndon take, too. Well, he's he, as you he's know, playing every single snap out there. He's suspended. But Ryan Griffin was on the field in week one for 94 percent of the team snaps. He almost had a touchdown. And let's not forget that the Cleveland Browns were torched by Delaney Walker in week one. So the matchup is good. He's ten dollars in Yahoo. As he well should be. Let's be <laughs> yeah, right. like he's $10 in Yahoo DFS. Yeah, sick. Um, this whole offense is just like it's becoming a stay away completely with Sam Donald out. And also, I mean, you mentioned it, Adam Gase. Give me a break with this guy. I mean... I liked... I was like, and that is that. I... No damn parent on the planet hasn't that or that in their kids at some point. I mean, he did learn under John the John Fox school of it is what it is. That was uh, one of John Fox's favorite press conference line that I, I, I spent an embarrassing amount of time this morning actually searching the internet for a John Fox... Uh, it is what it is, like press conference answers so that I could transpose the two together, but be that as it may. What app do you use for that? What app do I use? Like, yeah, to transpose. Like, were you going to do the audio and mess with it and make a whole... Oh, no, I'm not that good. I was probably just going to, like, open up iMovie and put the clips back to oh, back. Okay. I, okay. I, I, I thought you to... were going to overlap the... No, the... I would have I had to uh, en- enlist someone that's actually talented here to help me do that. Uh, I have very limited uh, video editing abilities, but... Point being, I mean, there's no one more uninspiring than just Gase completely hunched over there. Like, I feel almost bad for Jets fans that they're, you know, maybe eight and eight season now looks like it's going to be a nice five and 11 sort of situation. Break, breaking news, guys. Le'Veon Bell just tweeted, quote, I got great news. My shoulder is fine. So no worries. Just had to make sure everything was ready to go for Monday night. Heart emoji, like prayer hands, like up emoji. Nice. Let's get it. So. That's all, right. all you need Let's to know. Let's get three yards of carry with Trevor Simeon under center against I, the Browns Well, I do defense. think his in his his receiving ability obviously will keep his fantasy floor high enough, and he's still a, a you know a running back one option. I mean, let's hope that Adam Gase can get, lose this slot receiver short target fetish and be like, if I'm going to throw short passes, at least throw them to Le'Veon Bell, who's actually talented, whereas Jameson Crowder is like hey, Matt, busted. What's when up? someone shows you who they are. I mean, I'm not, I I said hopefully, but I don't actually, sometimes you say hopefully and you know inside there's no hope. It's poison, I've heard. Hope is poison. (laughs) Uh, Browns know that. All right, let's talk about Hunter Henry though, because um, talk about hope being poison, right? Like, (laughs) 
bro uh, missed all of last year with an ACL injury. In week one, he left the, you know, regulation time, reg- right? Regulation time? Regulation time with knee soreness. I thought, because I was on Fearless Forecast for tight ends this week, that uh, he was fine because he came back in overtime and uh, caught a ball. But no, it looks like he has something called a tibia plateau fracture in his left knee. Basically, it means his knee's messed up. And while he's not right now officially out for the season we are going to have to imagine life without hunter henry in this offense for the time being you would think like oh man i was like yeah all my like william shares are gonna skyrocket this is gonna make up for week one boo not the case mike williams left uh week one with a knee issue as well hasn't practiced it's thursday right now still hasn't practiced that ain't good so you know what that means matt I, I'm shocked that it doesn't mean that you skipped this podcast to drive a truck full of tr- crystals down to the <laughs> damn Chargers facility. <laughs> this has been one of your better uh, takes over the last year that I've known, been working with you that the Chargers need to invest in some crystals, need to sage off that building that they're in down there. Palo Santo. Fix that place the up. Juju is not good in that place. I know. I mean, they need some courts for real. But yes, they. I also feel like if there is to your branding, uh, a silver lining. <laughs> it's Travis Benjamin time, baby. Uh, probably not. <laughs> again, and again, a very, very understandable $10 in DFS. Uh, he's got that 4-3 speed, uh, played 52% of the snaps in week one. Obviously, okay, so we know this is going to be a lot of Austin Eckler. We saw that, right? Lots yeah. of dink and dunks uh, <laughs> because Philip Rivers at 40, however old he is, doesn't want to get slammed behind that offensive line. And I know, like, trench talk is boring talk, but it is the... Uh, heartbeat from which all else flows the mother river I like, if you will. I, like, I like that i mean play literally starts at the trenches come on give me a break um, um but i do think travis benjamin is like like i'm not gonna mess with him in my redraft unless i real desperate which um, <laughs> some of my rosters may be uh, <laughs> but um in dfs like I don't know. I think it's a totally unchalk play. Yeah, well, definitely won't be chalk. You can you can promise yourself That's that. You win things. You're a disruptor. That's true. Uh, Rivers does have the second most touchdown passes of twenty plus yards uh, since the 2017 That's season. Sad, so uh, he is a proven vertical passer. But yeah, I really think that. If Travis Benjamin, like in the year 2019, is your only vertical threat, I do think that's going to mean a lot of getting the ball out quick. I think he got the ball out 2.69 seconds in week one. I think it could actually be faster in week two because... Jimmy Garoppolo beat that, by the way. He got the ball out faster than any quarterback. Yeah, well, that's because... I don't even... I don't. We'll talk about Jimmy G later in the episode. Just an interesting, just an interesting tidbit. It, it is. And... You know, Rivers was sacked on 10.3% of his dropbacks in week one. I think, again, he's facing a much better pass rush this week, too. Mm. I think the Lions are legit with Trey Trey Flowers Flowers and Mike Daniels. You know, I think those guys are massively improved over what they ran out last year. And I do think that this offense becomes – I'm not so much into Rivers because I think there could be a lot of sacks and mistakes, but I'm really interested in Keenan Allen, who is $24 in Yahoo DFS, which seems like quite a bargain for a guy that could probably push for – 13 targets, especially because he's still that short area guy. Austin Eckler, as you mentioned. I mean, you don't want to see it happen because of injuries, but we always are more interested in highly concentrated offenses. And Keenan Allen still has the speed of Mike Williams is limited or missing time to shake after the catch enough, right? Like yeah. he can do both things, even if his role with Mike Williams on the field has been primarily to do the shorter stuff. So I, I, I think I put him in my DFS line. I don't know. I did it really late last night. Uh, this is a new segment that producer Brett has titled hashtag we told you so. We're going to talk about Darius. Uh, 
I didn't own it. I I did. I was out on Geist, but it wasn't because I thought he'd get injured again. Well, he is. Well, yeah. I mean, he is. He actually had knee surgery this morning in Florida with Dr. James Andrews. So not good. Dr. Um, Andrews. You never want to hear that. No. Well, maybe if he had done that the first time, by the way, he wouldn't have had all those setbacks. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe. Anyway. Um, <laughs> maybe don't go to go to Washington's team doctors when you need a surgery. No. It's like going to Tijuana for birth control. Not Yikes. that I've ever done that. You don't want to do that. Anyway. So this. So AP will not be a healthy scratch. <laughs> Despite the fact that Jay Gruden absolutely, to your uh, phrasing, roasted him out of last week's game, he will, in fact, be active. I don't really want to mess with him because I don't think game flow is going to go his way. But I do think Chris Thompson, as gross as it is, he led Washington in targets in week one. He caught seven of 10 for 68 yards. He's going to get those double digit looks again in week two versus this new high flying Dallas offense that Kellen Moore has completely opened up. Let's be honest, the Redskins are going to be playing catch-up for most of the season from what things are looking like. That means Chris Thompson, as long as he can stay healthy, is going to be in that low-end RB3 flex space. Case Keenum has uh, had his little moment in the sun for like the first quarter, and then it was like— With that Terry McLaurin? Yep. Nonsense, that, yeah. that was That was cool, but that ended very quickly. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think this offense is mostly going to be a train wreck. Um, Thompson, it's worth noting, got a ton of his targets— on the last few drives of that game. So I don't know. Thompson is a guy that I mean, yeah, I'm with you of the two. I'm going to prefer him because I think this team's going to be bad, you know, for all the game flow reasons that we think. And I mean, even Peterson last year, he had a thousand yards, but remember he had that one game, I think against the Eagles where he had like a 90 yard touchdown run and still finished under a hundred yards. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a lot of what we're looking at with yeah. Adrian Peterson this year. And Oh, by the way, the offensive line is worse. This year, they have Eric Flowers starting at a guard spot. They have uh, some goofball out there at left tackle that's not Trent Williams. So, yeah, it's it's a tough spot for Adrian Peterson. And Jordan Reed was concussed in week one. I don't know what his availability is for week two. I don't think they've decided on. They haven't decided yet. Protocol yet. But it's it's looking Last I heard is looking optimistic. But, I mean, even then, like, Vernon Davis went out there and, and, and beasted because yeah. he's, he's one of the three or four, like, ageless wonders in the NFL. Yeah, this – Geist situation sucks, but it's all, I mean, at the same time, like, you know, I think he's, which is unfortunate, he's trending more towards like myth than anything else in fantasy because, you know, he goes out there, goes 10 for 18 yards in week one. I didn't think he looked that good this preseason. Um, He really has had like that one awesome run that he got himself hurt on in uh, the preseason last last year. year, And that's it. And he plays on a it's too bad because he had one of the best stories heading yeah. into the draft. Come literally working himself up from the bottom. It was the name of the neighborhood that he was from in Louisiana, and it was an incredibly inspiring story. I both Andy Barons and I were very very high on him um, because of his angry running style. But you know, here we are. Is, yeah, and it, I mean, he even took. I felt bad this morning hearing this news because. Like I I've, haven't been on Geist pretty much at any point during mm-hmm. his NFL career, but I did like that he got really fiery with um, – I can't remember what – it was like a local radio station or something was asking him about how people are calling you injury prone. And he really went in on like I've had you know one this one injury and like that's it. You know, it's just some complications coming after. And he really got feisty about it and like was – I was really hoping he was going to become like a fascinating character in the NFL. And then whoops, this happens. Well, thank you, Matt, for going so deep on Geis. Uh, We are saved.
by Scott Pianowski, who is joining us. Welcome, Scott. I have a question for you. Whose unlikely departure has been upsetting you the most, Sam Darnold to mononucleosis or Christian Yelich to a fractured kneecap? First of all, I'm not going to save anybody. I'm, I'm a terrible choice if you're in distress. But look, I'm a Patriots fan, so throw your, your tomatoes at me. I, I kind of enjoy trolling the Jets a little bit. I don't want Sam Darnold to be sick for a long period of time because he's a talented football player. I, I want to see him play and play well. But but what do you think about Christian Yelich's knee fracture? I'm very I'm concerned about this, this kneecap issue. Oh, I'm bummed about it because I have a bunch of Milwaukee Brewers shares. I, I, I bet all just about all of the Cubs fans I could find. You were probably the only Cubs fan I know who I didn't bet the Brewers or the Cubs who would have a better season. I mean, the Padres the just took those Cubs to task last night. I was like, what's up, Joe Madden? Where, where, why aren't you, what's going on here? Petco Park, huh? Yeah, I wonder, you know, Joe Madden was like everybody's favorite darling five or six years ago. I don't think everybody feels that way anymore. But, you know, with the Jets, I just kind of take it in stride. I mean, how did they find a way to lose that game to Buffalo? They had in control. Darnold, of course, didn't play well, and maybe he already had the the roots of this virus. I don't really know that much about mono. I, you know, I, I somehow didn't contract it when I was a kid. And yes, I did kiss girls when I was in high school and college, but somehow avoided mononucleosis. But you know, Trevor Simeon's back in our life. Yeah, so that's Scott, pretty exciting. I kissed girls too and never got mono. How about that? <laughs> but let's talk about being Thanks tilted just, or jilted, because I will tell you, some of those ladies they definitely jilted me. Scott, though, I want to know what player tilted you and then which sob jilted you yeah i guess the idea the hook here with the tilt is that we're not going to give up on the player and you know tyler lockett hey love you for the touchdown catch what's up with two targets i know cincinnati was rolling coverage to him but good teams good coordinators good organizations find a way to get their best players the ball they need to be creative and i'm just worried that seattle has an offense that's buried you know five years ten years behind the cycle i mean look at what happened in arizona right i mean last week this is a Scott Barrett stat. Last week, David Johnson had more air yards in week one of last of last week than he did the whole previous season because the coaching staff was completely idiotic. I'm wondering if I made the assumption that Lockett would have to absorb a lot of those Doug Baldwin targets. And maybe Lockett will never be 140, 150 target guy, but maybe he'd get 100, 110 after week one. I know two is an outlier, but I'm worried that maybe Seattle doesn't know how to creatively get their best pass receiver the ball. Yeah, I mean, you said it, it, good offensive coordinators. I don't think Brian Schottenheimer is a good offensive coordinator. It does seem that they focused on one thing in the offseason that was throwing to their running backs, and they did manage to uh, to do that right. But I'm stubbornly believing in Tyler Lockett, of course. Uh, it, it is worth noting, too, that I don't think I've seen as many people talk about this, but William Jackson, their uh, cornerback in who was great in 2017, the Bengals cornerback. Uh, he was on Lockett for a decent amount of that game, and he's a really good player, whereas most of their players in the secondary are obviously not. Uh, I think Lockett's going to have an incredible bounce-back game. I don't know. I agree that you should just be tilted and not lose your mind. I think that the Steelers are heading back home. We know about Ben's road versus away splits, right? And I do think that this this uh, Seahawks Steelers tilt is going to be a little bit more high flying. I think the Steelers are going to come out throwing, try to make up for that awful laying down that they did on Sunday night. Lockett's going to see a bunch more. Plus, the coverage is Mike Hilton, and he is usually a quote thrown at player. So I think you don't need to worry about, you know, and if my boy Will Disley misses more time <laughs> with that knee injury, then all the more for Lockett to go around. Scott's Patriots uh, dropped three touchdowns through the slot on the Steelers in week one. And of course, Tyler Lockett took over 60% of his routes from the slot. So it's a good little matchup there. Who do, Who's jilting you, Scott? You know, I, I feel silly for taking the bait. Uh, Corey Davis, I baited him 
first year because yeah, I fade rookie receivers and it looks like 2019 is going to be a terrible year to do that. <laughs> but then you know, last year he stepped up a little bit, but you know, only the four touchdowns. It's, it's Mariota. They, they want to play 1977 football. And then I kept seeing the price go down and go down and go down. I thought, eh, maybe, maybe best ball. I don't have to call the shot. Maybe a wide receiver four or a flex guy. You know, maybe there could be a, you know, the, the timing would be right. And, I guess this passing tree is going to be maybe wider than I thought because I didn't anticipate A.J. Brown being a mouth to feed right away. And, and I wondered how much was left in the Nalani Walker tank. And those guys both played really well at Cleveland. I still don't like Mariota. Only three targets for Davis in the opener. And you know, it's one thing when Lockett only gets targeted a handful of times, they're Russell Wilson targets. You know, when Davis only gets targeted a handful of times, they're Marcus Mariota targets. Man, I loved Mariota four or five years ago. That's out the window now. Not only is Davis not playable for fantasy leagues, I think he's actually a low upside player you cut outright. Yeah, I don't think he's an essential hold. Like, so I was on uh, our pal Jake Seeley's podcast this week, and he asked me if Corey Davis is a bust. And I don't think he's a bust. Like, he's not a bad player. He's not worth fifth overall, like, you know, where he went in the NFL draft, but he's like an average starting receiver. And like you said, Scott, on, a, in a, on an offense like this, an average starting receiver is not, it's really not a guy you're That's ever going to want to play. turned over offensive coordinators nearly every year yeah. since he's been in the league. I don't think we disagree on that jilting at all, Scott. Team anti-Corey Davis. Matt, is my mustachioed boyfriend Aaron Rodgers tilting you or jilting you I think he's t- he's tilting me a little bit I'm worried about this offense though number one I think Matt LaFleur I'm st- I'm I wanted to buy in but y- go ahead Liz I wanted to okay <laughs> all right I wanted to buy in on on Matt LaFleur you know being a good hire I thought I could talk myself into it but that week one showing was so uninspiring you know they continued to run on first down even when they would they would pass the running backs on first down and, and it just wasn't an efficient it was not it was an, an efficient indecisive play. Yes. play call I thought yeah yeah he <laughs> I think LaFleur even said today like I'd really like to get some better production on first down or whatever and it's like hey how about you how about you let Aaron Rodgers uh, throw the damn ball downfield on first down every now and again. I saw this stat on Twitter today from Nick Olson NFL. I think he's a Vikings writer. He said Aaron Rodgers go-to receivers since the start of the 2018 season. Devontae Adams 115 receptions, throwing the ball out of play 61 throwaways. Mm. Number 3 Jimmy Graham 58 catches, MVS 42 and Randall Cobb 38. So yeah, you can make an argument that that this offense actually isn't all that talented, but right now I, I I'm a little worried about about Aaron Rodgers. I think it's going to be okay because it's Aaron Rodgers, but I'm a little I'm a little troubled. Are you also worried about the matchup against Minnesota? Right, like that's it's not a great rebound spot. It's nice that it's back in Lambeau, but that Vikings defense looked so good against Atlanta, and that's this is like the classic week one thing you know you have to ask yourself which part of the equation of what you saw is true is the vikings defense that good or is the falcons offense that bad or can hashtag both things be true because i think that can be (laughs) that can be the case so aaron Rodgers has you a little bit worried but you're not ready to give up on him are you telling me that the steelers you're just off of completely now they're jilting you I mean, I'm stupid enough to talk myself into Dante Moncrief at ten dollars in Yahoo DFS. I mean, seven, ten, what? I will ten never targets. not appreciate some Moncrief love. Like one dollar per target this week, Liz. You had ten targets in week <laughs> one. He's ten dollars in Yahoo DFS. I am. Yeah, I, that's like three. That's like three dollars a drop is what you're paying there, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, but like, yeah, you're, you're pretty. You're pretty much right there too. Um, but it goes back to the point. 
talking about that week two game, Liz, I really think it could go over its projected total of 46 and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, Hammer the over on that one. I mean, Hammer the over. Because <laughs> I mean. Says the shark. Yeah. <laughs> Because, I mean, look at, like, the Seahawks secondary sucks, too, right? Like, Trey Flowers back there gives up 150 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. All all eight of them were uh, caught. I mean, I think that the Bengals really showed, like, hey, our, our game – it wasn't like a game flow thing either. They're, they're – their game plan was to go out and attack with the pass and it worked and maybe like Jadevian Clowney another week in the system that comes to fruition. So, But that's still, they need the pass rush. The secondary is so bad, they need the pass rush to get there first. Right. And this all just comes back to like, hey, so this this game could be a shootout, but I'm a little worried that the Steelers offense just doesn't have the playmakers right now. And like Roethlisberger's another year older and like, by the way, Roethlis- the whole like Roethlisberger's in the best shape of his life narrative. It didn't look like it uh, in week one. He still looked like he's taking a step back. He's sluggish. I-, I think, look, it could just be the fact that the Patriots are that good. They always take away number one receivers. So, of course, Juju didn't do much. Um, it could just be a Patriots thing. And they always thump uh, the Mike Tomlin Steelers. However, I have to admit, I think that there's a a, a pretty good chance that this offense just isn't good anymore. I'm still not giving up my Vance and Donald hope just yet, but fair enough. I hope that's not true because I have a ton of Connor to kind of juju. I think it's just the Patriots, for whatever reason, match up really well with the Steelers and Belichick's and Tomlin's head and these guys. And then, man, what a lack of fight. I mean, even getting down the goal line, the Steelers kicked a field goal to to erase the deficit, you know, from 24 to 21, whatever it was at that point. I mean, it just felt like we don't want to get shut out. We're giving up. And then, of course, they pressed the game late when they should have gotten on the bus and they almost got juju hurt. Although I guess he's okay. He's off the injury list now. I, I would think the Steelers would bounce back here. As Matt said, I mean, Seattle is just trying. I mean, they, they made John Ross look like a superstar last week. They're just trying to give it away. I'm going to aggressively play in our staff DFS. I think I have Juju already dialed up, and I'm probably going to have Connor. And, and maybe I'm just you know, doubling down because I have a lot of Juju and Connor, and, and they're stables in my fantasy portfolio. But I think for whatever reason, these guys just don't play well against the Patriots. I'm tempted to throw that out. So the player that's tilting me is Devin Singletary. I mean, this is a rookie, but still a rookie who has moved his way up the team's roster, up the depth chart, pushed LaShawn McCoy out of Orchard Park. And I think a lot of people were expecting this ascent to continue immediately into week one and not see Frank Gore seeing the majority of touches. And while that is true, if you watch the game, Singletary's shake was on full display. He averaged 10.9 yards per touch, which was the best among running backs for the week. He ripped off two runs over 15 yards. That's not bad for a guy who had just four carries and... Well, again, he may not have seen the touches. He outsnapped Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon by a large margin. He had 70% of the team snaps. He also was third in team targets. Now let's go not go crazy. This is the Buffalo Bills, but still third in team targets uh, behind. He had six looks, caught five of those behind John Brown and Cole Beasley. When I look at the matchup and I look at how much he is doing and I look at the talent there and I factor in Frank Gore's age and I think one of these players is stock up and one of these players is stock down but against the Giants that was just gashed by the Cowboys I am stock up all the way on Devin Singletary and he is my RB27 for the week in fact I have him fun fact ranked ahead of Devonta Freeman so you know, I agree with everything you said, other than I think Singletary should be ranked even higher. I mean, look, he got the majority of the snaps. He got the majority of catches in this backfield. TJ Yeldon couldn't get on the field. And every one of Singletary's runs was a successful play. I mean, he's making a, a splash play on every carry. The Bills, they're a pro, very progressive 
organization. They maybe they just wanted to go slow with Singletary with the touches, not overload him. The, the game did get a little bit out of hand early when the Jets had a multiple score lead. I think they know that Singletary is the guy. They they want Gore to be the the older statesman and to show him how to be a pro. And you know, Gore, I mean, give him credit. He came into the league. He was injury prone, and he's lasted as long as he has into age thirty six, maybe even a Hall of Fame career. So a perfect guy to learn from. But I was encouraged by everything that Singletary did. You would like to obviously see more carries, especially when he's been as successful as he has. But the most snaps, the most opportunities in the passing game, which wasn't a guarantee. And all he did is succeed in the running game. That hour is headed way up. I think he's going to be a difference maker this season. And I think he has an excellent chance to be a big difference maker in week two, whether it be for seasonal or DFS purposes. That passing game usage is key, as you guys both said, because TJ Eldon, like, he wasn't involved at all. And, like, TJ Eldon's that, like, coach's catnip as a pass catcher. Mm. Like, ah, he's going to go out there and, like, get it done, you know? And to see the Bills... Singletary is actually second on the team in, in routes in 36, only behind, of course, you know, the god John Brown. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was crucial going forward because also it's worth noting that I was surprised when I went back and watched that game because I – it was not interested in the Jets side at all, but I was interested in the Bills. They came out throwing the ball, like on yep. the majority of their dropbacks right away, like just going going for it. And I thought that was pretty crucial. The only thing, is, Josh Allen, I think, is going to suck up a lot of the rushing volume in this offense because that guy, like he, I heard a really great comparison that like he's almost he almost doesn't realize that he's playing NFL quarterback until like two seconds into the play like every <laughs> he dropped he drops back and then about two seconds in, he's like he's like a fan that's been oh shit, I'm playing NFL quarterback and yeah, he just like starts running analogy. around yeah I love it you almost get the sense that he doesn't even know if he's over the line of scrimmage or not or it's like he, he, he <laughs> it's almost like he somebody is. hit the hyperspace button and, and Alan's like how did I get here can I still throw it is the third down? What are we doing? And yet we find That's, it endearing. Yeah, he, We're not annoyed by it. it. It It is a little bit endearing. Um, So from Devin Singletary, who saw a lot of usage in the passing game, to Geronimo Allison, who has me jilted, but let's be honest, I've been on Team MBS since the preseason. Anyway, there's a goose egg for Gimo. Zero targets in week one. He was out-snapped by MBS. Uh, MBS had 66% of the snaps. Gimo, 50% of the snaps. Um. Yes, the majority of MVS's uh, routes were run on the outside, but we know that he is versatile enough to play inside as well. I still will remain by saying that I think that he is just the better versatile player. The assumption that Geronimo Allison was going to move into Randall Cobb's position and absorb the 70-whatever, 70-some targets that Cobb saw, I think is a complete fallacy. I'm not buying into it. I will say in Week 2, he has the better matchup against whoever is I mean I don't know if it's like Mike Hughes or J. Ron Curse who I think is the team safety but like since McKenzie Alexander has been injured he hurt his elbow like they've shuffled their DBs around a little bit so I'm not sure exactly who Gmo is going to see but I have to imagine the least efficient of those players is going to go Gmo's way so the matchup is better but still give me the talent MVS is MVS is the most athletic player on this roster and you heard Aaron Rodgers talking about his speed and how he has worked to adjust to his speed. So I think that is your number two behind Devontae Adams. Geronimo Allison's not good. Like, he's not good, and it comes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, sure, if this offense was going to be good, if it was going to be a great offense under Aaron Rodgers, then yeah, we're interested in the third receiver or the fourth guy in the pecking order. But if it's this offense that's going to be kind of stuck in the mud here, you know, you're not interested in, in all the way down the target tree like that. It's pretty much just going to be Devontae Adams and like occasionally MVS. Right. And maybe sometimes Jimmy Graham. 
you make a great point that Green Bay used to be a brand name and maybe they're not now. And we have to accept that. And, and so it used to be any piece of the, the pie would be good. What tripped me up a little bit, I, I did prefer MVS to, and I like the way you're, you're calling uh, Allison GMO. So, you know, maybe if we get him a three letter acronym, then maybe he can get back and play. But I was tripped up a little bit by how productive he was last year. He averaged like 61 yards a game. And I, I know, you know you can get in trouble with just by looking at the the box score and the, the overall production without context. And, you know, I get the idea that he probably didn't grade out well in your metrics, Matt, which is a big part of the problem. Just, I just think MVS has a higher upside anyway. But Green Bay, we get it through your mind. I mean, I don't even think Rodgers really played well last year. I think Adams' huge season was in spite of Rodgers. It doesn't seem like Rodgers is on the same page with this coaching staff. And so this is an offense now where it's like, okay, yeah, you know, I'll take their running back if they can establish Aaron Jones. Fine. We know Adams is a great player. I'm out on Jimmy Graham and I, I'll be kind of on the fence on MVS. He, he needs to show me something before I see him as a must start. And I can't go deep on the pecking order. I can't go deep on the depth chart. That means Allison, not only not startable, but maybe not even rosterable at the moment. So Scott, I want to ask you, is there a game that you're particularly interested in watching this Sunday? It better not be Monday's game because we spend too much time talking about those damn Jets. It's You know, I'm really excited. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm really excited to watch the Bengals play. I, I thought they, they played a very entertaining game at Seattle. We saw a lot of splashy plays in that game. And the way the Bengals, I, I know you can get this is narrative street. I'm driving right down the middle of narrative street here. I love the way the Bengals offensive players talk about this offense, the way they talk about Zach Taylor. I wish the Packers would do this. I love even AJ <laughs> Green, who isn't even a factor right now is saying, yeah, this is the yeah. most modern, you know, efficient offense I've ever been a part For of. 15 years, Again. baby. Yes. Right. Apparently, you know, I, I thought they signed Marvin Lewis to a lifetime contract, but I, I guess that wasn't the case. So I'm excited about John Ross. I think I am. Uh, Andy Dalton right now is somebody I'm considering, not just in Superflex, but actually if your quarterback drove off the road, like James Winston, I don't know what he'll do <laughs> Thursday night as we tape this, but Andy Dalton's like my insurance policy in a league. I, I think maybe Gio Bernard, who I was just laughing, you know, oh, he's never going to get Mixon's way. Well, they gave him a lot of money and you know, maybe Mixon's dinged up now. I'm excited to watch this team play. And man, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to show me something. I oh, mean, my God, he's, yeah. he's got the looks. He's got the contract. But why was Nick Mullins just as good as Garoppolo last year? An undrafted street kid who ends up you know, shuttled in there. And Garoppolo, I thought, played very poorly against the Tampa Bay defense that should have been a good matchup on paper. I know the two Kittle touchdowns were, were called back. I know the receivers aren't great here. The but two I think great, Garoppolo the two needs great to show touchdowns up. were called back too. So right, yeah, they yeah. cancel each but, other and, out. And, and Mostert, Mostert, had a, Mostert had a touchdown called back too. So there were five touchdowns that weren't touchdowns. What's more frustrating than that? But I, I'd like to see Garoppolo show something. And the Cincinnati defense can certainly be beaten. As Matt says, they do have one quarterback of note, but I don't think it's overall a very deep defense. So I think this has a sneaky shootout potential. I think the totals in the mid 40s. I think this game will go over 50. And I'm, again, I'm talking myself into the Bengals right now. I like both defenses as a play in DFS too because they're cheap, and I I don't necessarily trust. Um, I know Either Andy. Offense. I don't. Well, Andy Dalton. I like what Scott's saying about Andy Dalton. I'm. You know, Liz, I talked about this on our last like a week ago podcast, not the Sunday night one, but the Thursday night one when I was like, hey, Liz, you know, I did I did this for you. I dropped uh, John Ross for Chris Conley in the Scott Fishbowl. Well, I didn't get him back this week. You got him back? I didn't get him back this week. I was I got Chris Conley sitting there looking at me. Don't but, cry about that. Um, we'll little, get that. Little, Don't cry. It's not like you didn't have a good game. I full. know. I didn't I didn't start either. Wouldn't have started either one of okay. them. But my point being, I am intrigued. Cool. So when John Ross hurts his foot for the 14th right. time, then but, you come crying to me. But the only thing I'm trying to say by that is that I'm interested in this Bengals offense now where I didn't think I would be a week ago. And 
The thing is, though, we know that Andy Dalton's bad under pressure. I think I really believe in the 49ers pass rush. Like people are trying to write off that week one defensive performance as just an aberration and like, oh, it's just Jameis Winston. But Nick Bosa, like just quietly, not as exciting as Marquise Brown was very much like, hey, F practice, F training camp. I'm going to go out here and get a sack and hurry the quarterback a bunch too. the prince that was what What the prince that was promised one Nick Bosa. So, I mean. I, I'm with Scott. I think this is an interesting game to watch because I think we're going to learn a lot about both teams. Well, I am interested to hear which, I mean, because they pay me to be, which team you, which matchup you want to talk about. Hell yeah, the love and support in this room. Um, Kansas City at Oakland, I'm interested in. Obviously, huh. it has the highest total on the board. Yeah. But can't look, Kansas City, the only, I think the question is, what does the receiving core look like without Tyreek Hill in the mix? I'm still out on Sammy Watkins as like an every week wide receiver one, which seems to be the consensus opinion coming out of week one. You know, I'm so glad to hear you say that because I feel the same way. I, I mean, we've seen this story before, man. We haven't seen 200 yards and three touchdowns before, but we've seen him have big games and then just go completely quiet. It still, it still trips me up that Watkins has been a part of like the best offense in the NFL each of the last two seasons, sure. and he's been an inconsistent producer, and he's and he's been an inconsistent player on film, which I think bothers me more than just the production wise. So that's one thing I want to watch. Want to watch Miko Hardman in terms of his usage and everything like that. But I'm interested. So are you? Because there was a report uh, that I believe was came out via the Athletic that said that Nicole Hardman, especially as a rookie, was going to share snaps with DeAnthony Thomas in replacement of Tyreek Hill. That is worth that's totally worth watching too. I think Hardman's a guy that I want to pick up and add on my rosters but not play right Thank away you. because I want to see that cuz Thomas was suspended in week 1. He, you know, was right. he, yeah, so it but Hardman was the number 2 receiver over DeMarcus Robinson very clearly in week 1, but it is worth watching DeAnthony Thomas who was a late add. But the Oakland side I think is almost just as intriguing cuz I love Derek Carr this week. God help me. Carr was efficient in week one, he completed 84% of his passes. Obviously, the Denver offense didn't drag him out of his shell or this entire Oakland offense, but I think the Chiefs offense will. In their in Carr's last two home games versus the Chiefs, he's thrown three touchdown passes in both games. So I think he's an awesome quarterback play this week. He's ranked as like, I think you chuckleheads have him at QB 24 in the consensus rankings. I think he can be a top 10 play this week in a game that's going to shoot out and with legit weapons all over the place in Oakland. I agree with Matt that now may be the best time to ever trade Watkins. I mean, how, how did this guy have 40 yards a game with the Rams? I know he joined the team right before the season. And then last year, you know, people act like, Oh, you know, he's, he's around, he's around the Kansas city passing game. How can he miss? Well, he had three touchdowns last year in 10 games. I mean, I, I know that Hill and Kelsey get a lot of it, but I've seen too much mediocre walk-ins to all of a sudden christen him as a top 10 receiver. I would be asking around. I, there's a lot of guys I would say yes to. And the Raiders, man, I, I've been panning them, and I, I bet heavily on their under for the win total, and I, I made Gruden jokes. They had a very narrow tree in that win over Denver. First of all, an emphatic win. Yeah. But they're really focusing on getting Jacobs the ball, getting Williams the ball, getting Waller the ball. So these guys are going to have very high projectable fours week in, week out. And so say that for Gruden. And we all thought when Antonio Brown was with the Raiders, okay, well, Gruden loves to feature his his veteran receiver. Now, obviously, that's not in the mix. But Gruden is going to decide, okay, these are my horses. I'm going to get them the ball. I think they all have gains in value just based on that one game. I I don't think Jacobs is a special player, but if he's going to get that much volume and that much of a market share, sure, I'm in. Uh, Williams, we know that he doesn't run the maybe the entire route tree, but I mean, again, if he's going to get seven and ten targets projectable every week, I'm in. I don't have many Waller shares. I, I think I have one or two, and, and based on how many leagues I'm in, it's almost none. But man, he really sure looked the part. 
Monday night, I think he's going to be a top 10 tight end the rest of the season. I don't disagree with anything you guys have said. I just want to, I am curious to see if anything bears out about the fact that Vic Fangio coached the game from the sidelines and not from the booth. I think that is really an interesting note. In terms of seeing the was defense. Fangio the, was he in the building? Was he in the building? Because, man, the Broncos defense, man. He was. I, I thought they had, that, like, that's the issue is that he was. Miller and Chubb. He was calling the game from the sidelines. So his vantage point may not have been an advantage. Mm-hmm. And so that there is, th- because it makes no sense that that um, Vaughn Miller and and Bradley Chubb were not able to get much more done, especially with the pieces missing and not necessarily, I mean, they looked like they coalesced, but there was not enough pressure done to that offensive line that had so much vulnerable, vulnerability, vulnerabilities. I don't think they laundered, I don't think they laundered Derek Carr's jersey. I don't remember him getting hit. I don't remember him ever no, on the turf. No, and, and of course, if you play in Oakland, you know, they have that infield, right? It's like the last of the infield cutouts. We're going to lose it after this year. So let's enjoy it while it's there. But yeah, you've not touched at all. I, man, did I get that game wrong? I thought Denver was one of the locks of the week and obviously totally wrong. My bold prediction was that the Denver defense was going right. to score more fantasy points than any Raiders. And that was really wrong. So we all <laughs> ate it. We all ate it. But you know what? One of heading it. So, you know what? Matt has talked about his on again, off again relationship with the Panthers. And and there was this whole long series about five episodes, finding love so. with the San Francisco 49ers. Five ultimately. episodes quality length. And I we know about like my um, Scott, you know, about my uh, affection for the Bears, how we are committed to one another. But sometimes you need to open things up. I got this little side piece team over here with the Rams. But like, I got to be honest in watching watching the Rams and the Panthers. I was like, meh. I need a new side piece. Like, this is kind of boring. They now they're like all all jazzy and new and full of themselves. And like I like I like things that are a little bit broken. I like things that are willing to be vulnerable, that are willing to be authentic and real and not squeaky clean and polished and, you know, IG ready. And that team, and again, I like a project, clearly. <laughs> Is the Jacksonville Jaguars? Wow, I thought you were going to go with the Texans here. Of the, both of them, you've got you've got Minshew fever. I don't know what that means. Gardner Minshew. Oh, Minshew. Yeah. I like to say Minshew. Uh, I I am very intrigued. yeah. Well, you referred to a quarterback with a mustache earlier. I thought it was Minshew. I thought somehow Minshew was getting worked into that segment because man, I love that guy. He's smart. He understands how absurd football is, and you know he, he'd rather not be playing because Foles you know got hurt, but. I don't know. There's something he really won the press conference. He also DJ Chark. DJ Chark. DJ Chark said that he is quote fearless, and you saw that. And sure, I know you've got like a backup quarterback that comes out and and blazes a defense because they haven't prepared for that quarterback. And I'm sure there's not so much mean shoe tape out there, but. This is interesting to me because one of the things I said heading into the season that I was most intrigued to see was John Filippo entering an offense that was supposed to be ultra conservative. And this is a guy who got flipping fired because he refused to keep the, the ball on the ground, right? So what is he going to do? I think Minshew is the best damn thing that's ever happened to this offense Oof. at Houston. Wait for it. I love it. it. No, at I'm Houston, so in. Coming off of a short week. They played on Monday night, an emotional game. They almost won. You could say they were going to be angry. You could also say that their J.J. Watt wasn't J.J. and Watt in that game. No Jadavian Clowney. They're going to be a little bit tired. Yeah, it works out for them that the game's at Houston. But Jacksonville, there are zero expectations for this team. They cut a starting corner, the Houston Texans. That's did. right. Bill O'Brien did like the one that thing too. every coach wants to do, just cut 
cut some guy for one bad Aaron play. Aaron Colvin, I'll see you later. <laughs> which is why you know the defense that defense has been overrated for four years. By the way, that de- Watt's great. But that de- defense has been overrated for several seasons. While you know that I have mad love for Chris Connolly and his gorgeous catch radius, and I think that the marriage between Minshew and Connolly is going to be a flourishing one. Didi Westbrook, who I've been a little bit like, okay, you can take your little slot receiver. I think he has an incredible matchup in this one. And he is the guy that I like a lot. And all of you Didi Westbrook truthers, now is the time to take your shot in this matchup. But this Jacksonville-Houston game is the most important game on the schedule for me, the one I am most excited to watch. It is like my two lovers vying for who's going to be the first one I text after midnight. I love and the Bears. Don't be on the Bachelorette. I'm sorry. Would I you be on be the Bachelorette? It sounds like you, I, I don't you think should be. That my <laughs> husband would be a fan of me being on the Bachelorette. I have a fantasy as a side note to be on the Bachelorette. Like the fantasy, like the fantasy, fantasy, fantasy Bachelorette. Maybe you know, gonna... I do really want to go on the Bachelor as one of the like like people he's wooing. But I want to like episode one say like, hey here's the deal. I'm just going to be your like wing woman the whole time. Like we're never going to hook up. I don't want to actually, I'm actually married. So don't worry about it. But I want you to take me on all these vacations. And then when we get the fantasy suite, like I'm just going to eat cheese and drink champagne alone in the bathtub. And we don't, and I'll give you all the dirt. You get rid of me. Like I got down to the last three. I tell you which one is in for it, which one is most likely to stop. I give, I'm your mole basically. And, and you can cut me before the final rows. <laughs> this this is it. a proposal. This is, I mean, it, it's kind of in you know faux entertainment anyway. I mean, those things are so produced and so yeah. scripted. I want to be the I mean, mole the on the Bachelor, and also eat all that damn cheese. Like the, I'll, I'm all for like the hot tub shots in the beginning, but by like the end of the episode, it'll be obvious that all I was doing was drinking champagne and eating cheese, and I'll be sleeping in a snowsuit. Yeah, you had me. You had me at eat all the cheese for sure. All right, so Scott, in our quickest way possible, you lead up the DFS segment. Who's your bargain? Rex Burkhead is the stone minimum. He's the one Patriot back where you, they can run or pass because they're all run with Michelle. They're all pass with White. Burkhead can do both things. We, we know they should name the score against Miami. My fate is Lamar Jackson. Just look, I mean, he's going to be really trendy now. I think last week went a bit more about Miami sucking than Baltimore being good. Again, both things can be true, but I want to fade Jackson after the big week. Buy Burkhead at the minimum and get a different quarterback than Jackson. Yikes. Oh, man. I hope I hope you're wrong about that, Scott. Uh, my vomit bargain was is Dante Moncrief, who I mentioned earlier. You get one target per dollar spent uh, and maybe three drops per dollar spent uh, on uh, Dante Moncrief there. But again, good matchup against Trey Flowers, who allowed 150 yards and a touchdown, as I mentioned earlier. My fate is, is Philip Rivers. Uh, Liz, you and I kind of talked about this at the beginning of the podcast, but he's pretty expensive coming off a big week. I think people aren't quite caught up to the fact that this Lions defense might actually be able to put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And yeah, that just, just without any vertical threat and those massive issues, in my opinion, on the offensive line, Rivers is a guy I'm, I'm off this week. Listen, if you, if Travis Benjamin and Ryan Griffin weren't enough of ballsy bargains for me to give you, I'm going to throw one more out though. Like, man, <laughs> hope you don't do this. It's Deion Kane, <laughs> Devin Funches, injured out. Deion Kane showed the ability to flash with some big plays. We didn't think he'd be healthy enough to really be his full self and full potential until November, but he is showing up. He didn't see a ton of targets, but he's got the matchup against the Titans should be interesting. Again, I don't love it, but I do think it's a dart throw. And my fade is St. Drew Brees 
coming off of an outing in which he didn't bother to lob the ball over 20 yards until the fourth quarter, short week, on the road, doesn't get the benefit of the dome or that awful whistlehead character that stands behind him, whatever in the, in the, I, you know what? I'm, I'm out with Drew Brees. I don't, I give me Jared Goff over Drew Brees, especially when the Rams have uh, Aqib Tlaib healthy and in the defense. I love Goff this week. I didn't realize how stark his home road splits were until this mm. week either. Well, um, what a good parallel too with, yeah. with Drew. 342 yards per game over the last two years when he's been at home. That's, I believe the most and his uh, yards per attempt ranks only second to Drew Brees when he's at home. There you go. So we will be back on Sunday night with our week two recap. Thank you so much, Scott, for joining us. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. And last but certainly not least is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And um, that's true. We're out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.